the Unsigned Chat podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Unsigned Chat podcast. Now I don't know about you, but this week has been a bit of a crazy week. So here in England, we have started the lockdown for a second time, which is only four weeks. In America, they're counting the presidential uh, votes from the election. And I can't help thinking this must be like the world's slowest election result. I mean, I don't know how they're counting the votes, but it seems like it's the slowest way of doing it. I don't think there's anywhere else where it seems to take days and days to actually find out who's won. I am really enjoying it though because here in the UK the news has literally been about the UK's handling of the coronavirus for the last you know nine months. It's actually nice now to watch something else on the news that isn't about the UK and the coronavirus. So In that respect, what's going on in America is actually quite good for us over here when we're watching the news because we get to watch something else other than the coronavirus. Anyway, on with the show. This week I have a fantastic guest. It is UK singer-songwriter Charlotte Young. So, Charlotte, welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, you know. Lockdown 2.0. It is what it is. It is. Are you super excited for it? Oh, do you know what? In a way... I just want it all to be over, so if this is the best thing, then great. Um, but at the same time, I just want to perform again. I want to see the people. I know, it seems so ages ago, didn't it, since you know, if you had like live gigs and you could actually go out and see people? It's an absolute pain, isn't it? It is. But uh, nothing's much we can do about it, is there, really? Nah, you just, it's one of those situations that if it's best for the world to make sure we're all inside for a bit, then so be it. But it's just frustrating nonetheless. Have you been following the uh, US elections? I have. You know what? I was saying to um, Rachel, my manager, earlier on in the day, I've not slept very well because I was so like on edge about what was going to happen because Nevada still haven't um, done their results yet. And I'm just but... like, I'm on edge. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, I... Um... Wasn't last night, night before I stayed up all night, so I listened to the results as they were coming through. Mm-hmm. You know what you're thinking? This is like the world's slowest count. Oh, li- almost, I don't know what they're playing at. It's almost like they've thought, right, we've got a load of things we need to count. Let's take them to a local primary school and teach <laughs> the children how to count. It's literally like the world's slowest count. I mean, I, I used to think Eurovision used to take ages with the votes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never known anything this slow, have you? No. It's just mad, isn't it? But you say, I know a couple of people out in the States, and it's it's quite interesting because, you know, I always say to them, we have an election, the next day we know who's won, and by tea time, the new, the new Prime Minister's moved in. Yeah, exactly. He's got his IKEA <laughs> furniture in. It's all done. <laughs> We're not used to this sort of having to wait and legal action and voting and all this sort exactly. of other stuff. Oh, it's dear. just so confusing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle to understand that college voting system. I mean, luckily for me, I did, um, I did like, American history and politics in college. So I understand okay. it a little bit, but it doesn't mean it makes any sense because it, it doesn't make much sense, if I'm being completely honest. 
I just think it's bizarre that you can get the most people's vote and still lose. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's one of those crazy things that, on paper, their system works brilliantly because mm-hmm. how can it possibly be corrupt? But a lot of the problem is is that you cannot trust the public sometimes. I think that goes across all countries, though, isn't it? Sometimes you can't trust the public. Oh, definitely. You know, it's not just the States. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I can't help thinking that a lot of the problems that we've caused in this country with coronavirus is down to the people. Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, if people did what they were told, then oh, I'd probably be gigging by now, to be honest with you. Yep. But don't you think at the moment, Boris is a bit like a father, isn't he, where he's just grounded everybody for four weeks? <laughs> yeah. He's, his next step is like, I'm going to take away your Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? it the next, thing's gonna, next thing he's going to do is take away the internet from everybody. <laughs> That's the thing, though, this time, isn't it? National lockdown is basically a national lockdown, but without the lockdown. Yeah, it's peculiar. I mean, I remember the first lockdown, all of the... Everything was closed, like all the McDonald's and Starbucks is, like, literally everywhere was closed. Even a lot of local takeaways weren't taking the risk. But, yeah. like, now... Um, there's this app you can get called Too Good To Go, which is basically about like waste products. It's really good. You know, they do all sorts of, you pay a fraction of the price and you get loads of stuff through it. And they're mm-hmm. doing some, some of the pubs have decided to do pints. So you pay like a fiver and you get like five pints of like oh, a that, mystery beer. That sounds good. Decided. It's pretty good actually. You know, I mean, you could get stuff you don't like, but at the same time, <laughs> you've only paid a fiver. So it's not really a lose-lose situation because the pubs get the money they need to pay the breweries and pay the staff. And you get five pints of like mystery beer. So I also think as well that uh, if it's only £5, it doesn't matter if you're not keen on the beer for £5. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Right it now. It helps the waste, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Talking about people, but I always find people funny in regards to like the panic buying. Oh, God. Because they were panic buying the strangest things like toilet roll, pasta, flour. But nobody would seem to be panic buying things like Shampoo, shower gels, deodorant, you know, things that you might want. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> I mean, the one I couldn't understand at all was when you went into the shops and you couldn't buy flour. I think that was in case they couldn't get the pasta. You couldn't find it anywhere. So <laughs> it just went absolutely missing for ages. And caster sugar was the other one. Couldn't find that either. I don't, it's strange, isn't it? There's nothing stranger than people. <laughs> the nation just decided to bake, didn't they, really? Clearly. <laughs> Great British but, uh, bake off. I think they must have been worried about the baking skills though, because if they were panic buying toilet roll as well. Oh yeah, it says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. What is it they say that if you needed that much toilet roll, coronavirus is going to be the least of your worries? Oh, exactly. I'd be more worried about my guts <laughs> than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with your music at the moment? Because obviously you've got um I see you've got a new song coming out, haven't you, on the twentieth of November? I have, yes. So I've got my brand new single coming out. Praying for rain out on the 20th. That's super, super exciting. Um, I've basically been in the studio while I could, and I've created a bunch of tracks that are going to be released next year. And Praying for the Rain is the first of those tracks. So it's it's sort of like I've been quite lucky in a way because I've still been able to create content. So I suppose that is quite good. It's just a shame. So what's um, Praying for Rain about then? So why, why, why are you praying for rain? Well, it's sort of a bit me- metaphorical, really, because you're probably thinking, why would someone write a song about the weather if they're from Britain and all she gets is rain? Um, and you'd be right. But the thing is, is that praying for rain is a sentiment more than anything, because when it rains, it washes everything away. 
So when I was about 15, I was watching an episode of One Tree Hill, which is a very dramatic American TV show. Um, I have seen it. I love it. It's my favourite show. Who's your favourite character? I don't know if I had a favourite character. Oh. But I remember watching it. You might know what you're um, about then. But basically, my favourite character, Hayley, she, um, she'd had like, this big argument. She'd been through quite a bit. And her boyfriend goes to her, like, what are you doing? Because she's like, looking out the window. And she's like, oh, I'm praying for rain. I was like, I like that. So I, saw, I sort of wrote a chorus like, on a whim. Forgot about it for about eight years. And then I was like, I'm going to revisit this. But I couldn't remember the verses. So I just sort of wrote the verses into a story and put myself in the situation of those characters, such as, you know, um, how it feels when there are things left unsaid and when things are said, but it's just out of anger and all the regrets that might be that might be happening along those times. So that's sort of what Praying for Rain's about in a nutshell. It's quite interesting, isn't it, how it's kind of linked to a couple of words that you found somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. I mean... I can't take credit for the idea 100% because, you know, without my, that character saying that phrase, then I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have come up with the idea. But I just liked the sentiment of praying for rain because it just sort of makes sense. I mean, you know, they often say, don't you, that everything is a lot clearer after rainfall. There's always a calm after the storm, that type of thing. So it's sort of... Sort of came to be from that, really. So you've also got an EP out as well, haven't you? Yes, I do, Blown Away. And what was the idea for that? Where did that come from? So my friend, she was on the phone to me in tears because she had been on and off with this chap for quite a while, but he was just bad news. Like, he didn't treat her well, didn't care about her. Um, And was sort of just, like, kept her on a string, basically. And every time she tried to get over him and was trying to date someone else... I'd say to her, why isn't it working? Like, what's stopping you? And she'd be like, you know what? I can't shake him. Like, I feel that I can't move on because it still feels like there's words that need to be said type of thing. And I was like, it always comes back to him. And then, boom, the first line was written. I wrote it down in my notes. And then a couple of days later, I sat down in my boyfriend's kitchen and wrote the song. So does your friend know that the song's about her? Yes, I got her blessing <laughs> before I recorded it. Um, and she was the first person to hear the master of it because I wanted to make sure she felt her story was told properly and it did justice and she was very happy with it. So that's, that's all good to know. But I was just grateful that she let me tell her story for her. It's amazing that I speak to a lot of artists on the podcast and it seems to be a common theme of where people seem to write about the friend's experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that as creative people, you will draw inspiration from everywhere. I mean, as proven in the past two songs we've spoke about, um, you know, I've wrote about a TV show that I liked and a, and a situation that I sort of made up in my head based off of that TV show that I watched. Um, and then my friend's experiences. And then I do have autobiographical ones as well. But sometimes it's nice to tell someone else's story because you can put a spin on it that's completely unbiased, really, because you're, you haven't lived that situation. So you can sort of say something that they may not be getting just yet. So it's sort of nice to do that. 
and I do I do it quite often because um, Whiplash is also about a situation that another friend was in. So I do, <laughs> I do it quite often, you see. So what's your sort of writing process then for a song? Do you sort of like a, a set way that you write or does it just vary? I'm a little bit erratic when I write because the song I okay. is done in 20 minutes or so it takes eight years and there's never really seems to be a middle ground. Um. 20 minutes or 8 years yeah because Praying for Rain is a labour of love over 8 years I mean like I wrote it when I was 15 the chorus and then the verses and the bridge are brand new they were written about 6-8 months ago because I was like oh I really like that chorus what can I do with it I couldn't find my original lyrics so I rewrote them Um, and that took obviously a lot longer than other songs whereas Whiplash took 20 minutes to write you know I wrote it in my bedroom just like flash in the pan really fast so it's generally a case of i'll find something that i like and it usually is lyrics first um and i'll try and have a rough idea of where i want it to be what i want it to sound like and i'll match it to the right key and then i just sort of build but i make a point of not trying to overthink it because if i feel like i'm overthinking it then i'm never gonna get to where i want to be I don't want to force it. I want the song to come naturally. Um, so that's why it can be a bit laborious. It can either take a few hours or it can be super fast. Or in some cases, in rare cases, it'll take over amount of years. It's interesting how you talk about not overthinking it. I think you're right, because sometimes you, if you overthink it, you can then never get to the point where the song's actually finished because you're constantly trying to improve it. Well, this is it, isn't it, is that that's the other thing with creative people. And I think a lot of people who are involved in any type of creative thing, like creative technology, like yourself, you know, with your podcast, is that we are our own worst critic. And Definitely. if we don't do something about it, if we don't put a stop to ourselves in our head and tell us to calm down, then we're never going to be satisfied because most artists aren't satisfied anyway, but you can at least try and be. And I find that if I force a song... I try and it ends up coming out with something that seems metaphorical, but it's really just like a load of twaddle. So um, I try and leave it at that point if it gets a bit overwhelming. I give myself a break and I say to myself, if this is supposed to be a good song, if this is supposed to be something that you're going to work on, then it will come to you. Just don't rush it. It's a very good way of thinking about it. Exactly. I mean, you don't want to stress yourself out. There's enough going on, isn't there? <laughs> Oh, definitely. <laughs> What's going on in the world, minus you stressing yourself out? Well, I, I always think I, I always think of it this way. It's like, if you can solve a problem, is, there's no point stressing. If you can't solve the problem, there's still no point stressing. Well, this is it, isn't it? Like, if you can fix it, then jolly good. If not, then you're just going to have to deal with it, isn't it? Deal with it and move deal on. Deal with it, move on. And you'll probably find that in a month or two, you're not even bothered about it. Oh, yes, that has happened. How did you get into music then? I've always been musical. I mean, when I, my mum always tells me that when I was little, she knew I was going to be a singer. Because when I was a baby, I used to just scream and scream and scream. I used to scream myself hoarse, and then I used to just carry on screaming or trying to scream. You can imagine how that went. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she did say to me that I was picking up lyrics and melodies really quickly. So I must, I think she said I was a toddler. I don't fully remember. I'll have to double check. Um, but she said that I used to sing along to things like the Righteous Brothers, anything that was on the radio, all the time. She just knew that I was going to be a singer. 
never pushed me, just encouraged me, like, and said that, you know, you sound like you've got a good voice, sounds like you're doing well. And I begged for a guitar when I was seven. And they were like, no, because unless you're going to commit to it, then it's not worth it. So they got me, like, a little toy guitar, like, um, like a 20-pound guitar. And I ignored it for a few years. And then I picked it up when I was about 11, and I would not put it down. Then they knew then I was committed, so I got a better guitar. And I slowly but surely started writing my own songs. I just really loved music. I'd loved music since I was, since I could hear it, basically. Since I was able to understand what it was, I was, I just didn't want to give it up. I just wanted CDs. I wanted, um, I wanted to dance. I wanted to do everything, anything that was rhythmic or melodic. I just wanted to be a part of it. So I think I was just naturally drawn to it. And then I managed to build up the skills to carry it through. Are you from like quite a musical family then? Not really. I mean, my sister for a short amount of time played the flute and gave it up. Um, and my mum's always sung around the house and stuff. Mum's got a great voice, um, but never took it seriously. My dad's a mega music fan. Um, and my brother played guitar very briefly as well, but no one really stuck with it. So I wouldn't say we have a musical background as such, but it was definitely an encouraging background. And there was a lot of different musical tastes in the household. So I think I was just always exposed to different music. So where would you say your musical influences come from? So my one of my favourite artists is Dolly Parton. Because oh, good I mean, show. can you go wrong? You just can't. Which is your favourite Dolly song? See, this is this is difficult because I, I, I have a few too many, <laughs> in all fairness. A few too many Dolly songs that I love. Um, I love Dumb Blonde. I just think it's really empowering. I think it's so okay. clever. Um, but there's an album cut off a, off a record she did. I want to say it was about 10 years ago. It's quite a new Dolly album um, called Head Over High Heels. And I really like that one too. Okay. But there's quite a few. I mean, I could talk about her all day. I, I loved her moment in the, in the 70s and 80s where she started to transition over to pop music a bit more. And she did things like Here You Come Again. I love that. But there's just too many. She, she did have um, like, a, like a Netflix series going she did, on. did, and it was so well, good. It was basically, um, each episode was based on one of her songs, That's wasn't right, it? Yeah. If I remember correct. It was a, a great show. I really enjoyed it. She, made, she also like, makes an appearance at the beginning of each of the episodes, didn't That's she? That's right, yeah. She was sort of like, she was in the background or she was a minor character, or she made some form of appearance in each episode. And each episode was completely um, inspired by a Dolly song. So I thought that was really cool. It was good. I don't, I don't know if it's still on. I assume it must be still on there. But... As far as I'm aware it is, um, I'd be a bit gutted if they took it off, to be honest, because I just think it's a really good show. <laughs> it is a really good show. It's actually, I'd actually recommend it for the people, you know, either like Dolly or want to know a bit more about her songs, things like that. It's quite eye-opening. I think people realise just how great of a songwriter she is when they see that, because her songs are stories, and yes. I don't think you can go yes. wrong with that. She's she's one of those... Uh, her songs are kind of one of those timeless ones, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. I mean, for years to come. Oh, definitely. You know, because it's, it's legendary, same with Jolene. It is a sort of genre-defining excellence... And I, I don't think anyone can say that against her. And I think people also forget just how many songs she's actually had. You mentioned Jolene. Now, Jolene's an interesting one because I have heard a couple of sort of club mixes of the Jolene. 
I can imagine they're, that. They're actually really fun. You get them on, I think it's a few of them on YouTube or something like that. But they actually sound really good. I can imagine that because it has got a beat. So, you know, mm. I think if you put like a discotheque type of beat on it, it'd be, it, I mean, I'm not saying I'd prefer it to the original, but I can see why it would work. I suppose for a lot of people, they know the song and if they're in a club and they've had a few drinks, they don't really care what the oh, music no. is. They're, they're just bad, aren't they? And they know the lyrics, they're going to have a great time. So who else is your music influence then? You mentioned yeah, Dolly. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few. I love Fleetwood Mac. Um, my favourite band are Aerosmith. And I just think they're the greatest band ever. <laughs> I love them so much. Um, but then I am influenced by the likes of Johnny Cash, the Eagles. Um, Taylor Swift is a big one for me as a young female in country music. Taylor Swift is huge for me. Um, but also, I love my songwriters. Like, true, down to the ground, some of the best songwriters ever. People like Carole King. And Carly Simon, because again, as a songwriter, that's what I appreciate. I appreciate the lyrical content, but I've just got so many influences. They just sort of come out of everywhere. Um, but I think people like Aerosmith, the Eagles, Taylor, they're some of the biggest ones for me. So you like proper artists? I do, proper yeah. Music I, I like to hear a song and feel something. And I am very lyric heavy. So I tend to, I tend to ignore... Or at least I don't deliberately ignore. I just don't bond with it. I don't tend to bond with stuff that doesn't have words in it. Instrumentals. Yeah, you exactly. Mean. I couldn't think of the word there. I'm glad you, <laughs> you saved me there. I like some classical <laughs> stuff, like some pianos, and I love Glenn Miller, so that's fine. Um, but other than that, I tend to like my words. I think that's what kind of really gives the song the true meaning, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, is that we've all grew up reading. We've all grew up like doing writing in school and things like that and it is a lot easier to say to say what you feel than it is to write something I think but for some people but for me personally I find it a lot easier to write how I feel than to say it because sometimes if you're so wrapped up in your own emotions and stuff and you're really overwhelmed you're gonna say something you don't mean completely by accident whereas if you can write it down it's as clear and as honest and as raw as you can get. Before Corona, and you were sort of doing gigs, and you you're actually allowed to meet mm-hmm. people. What sort of, What sort of venues did you enjoy playing? I like my uh, grassrootsy venues. I like my independence. Um, there's a great bar that's sadly no longer with us in Birmingham, where I'm from, called the Flapper, and it truly is a hidden gem. I mean, it's a stereotypical dive bar, you know, um, but it really did become a hub for a lot of independent musicians. I mean, I used to work there for a short amount of time and we had bands from Finland coming over, all sorts of places. And it was just always an unmatched atmosphere at the Flapper. So that's one of my favorite venues, but there's another called The Actress and Bishop, which is also in Birmingham. I've been singing there since I was about 17. I know the whole family, it's just such a fabulous bar um, and they look after the artists. So yeah. I like my independent venues for the most part. I think independent venues are great venues. They're really going through the sort of ringer at the moment, aren't they, with everything that's going on? Well, yeah, because the truth is is that they've been going through the ringer for years, but this has just put the nail in the coffin. I mean, we lost the flapper in January, and that was really upsetting. I went there on the last night, and that was upsetting to see it go. Um, But it's been a staple in the Birmingham music scene since the 80s you know it'd been a huge thing and 
you've got things like Eddie's, which is another one, and there was Rock City in Manchester and all sorts. There's, there's loads of venues that are really suffering right now. And I think people are forgetting that their favourite bands came from those venues. Definitely. That's where sort of all the big bands sort of started off, wasn't it? All the well, this independent it, venues. Yeah. So you work with Rachel from Scarlet River. I do, yes. How did that come about? So Rachel is uh, my manager at the moment. And that began because I was working with a studio who she was managing the releases for. So she managed my release for Whiplash and Blown Away and helped that be a huge success. Um, and we sort of just became friends as well as colleagues. And especially of lockdown, I'd ask her for some advice here and there. And it just so happened that a spot opened up for me to take up because she had finished working with a couple of artists and decided to take on some new people. And she asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And I immediately said yes because I'd be stupid not to she's fantastic um so it was nice to work with someone who I believe has my best interests at heart and she is also just great at what she does and it's because she is kind and she understands her artists very well yeah I've spoke to Rachel a few times we had her on the podcast um a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago oh nice Uh, but she's a great person and she really cares about the artists that she works with. Oh, 100%. You mean, I don't think you'll find many people who are as kind as Rachel. Um, and she is just great at what she does. And I was just really pleased that she believed in me enough to want to work with me in such a close capacity. Because, you know, it's different from being friends and working with somebody. Um, you know, you need to have a, a relationship where you can do both. And she has got that nailed to the ground. She's fantastic at it. So, yeah, I just love working with her. I think she's super. I think she's going to be on the podcast again in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, fab. She's, fab. Coming, on, she's coming on to discuss a project that she's working on or something, oh, I think. Oh, I believe I know what that is, but I'm not going to tell you. You oh. just have to wait and see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, that's like, saying, that's like going up to somebody and saying, I know something you don't know, and then walking off. <laughs> So I have to admit that is sort of my thing. And then there's a lovely chap called Dom who I spoke to. Um, every time I speak to Dom, um, I don't tell him the full truth because I'm us- I've usually got something coming out that I can't tell him about yet. Um, and it just so happens the way at times is that he always interviews me just as I'm about to announce something. So I can't tell him. And like I feel that I'm always keeping things from everyone. It's not on purpose. But if I'm not allowed to say, then I can't say. So what are you keeping from me? Well, I can tell you it's something good. <laughs> it is something exciting. Um, if it's what I think it is, then it's good news. I think you'd be very excited about it. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a woman of many secrets, apparently. I'm not too sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad secrets. It's always, it's usually always really fun things. It's usually All right, okay. about... <laughs> you know, interesting product checks. I definitely almost said it then. Um, you know, it's, it's always something good, but... You're a woman with many secrets, but you're not very good at keeping the secrets. Is that what we're establishing? Well, you see, I manage to keep them quiet, but then as soon as they're out, I'm just relieved because I'm, I get close to revealing things quite often, but I never, I never reveal things before they're revealed, but I do get close to it. So what are you doing at the moment then to promote your single that comes out? Well, 
I'm a very busy woman. Rachel has got me very busy. She's written me a whole list of things that we need to do. Um, so at the moment, I'm doing this really fun thing that we sort of thought up. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big film fan. You know, I love my pop culture, anything to do with films, TV, music, anything like that. And when you hear "Praying for Rain," you might understand what I say in the sense it feels like it should be a soundtrack to a really dramatic '90s film or like a dramatic romance okay. film. Like it feels like it should be that type of vibe. So I said to Rachel a few months ago, I was like, what if we did like movie stills and used the lyric um, to get people to see the lyrics a bit more often? We do them every Wednesday. So, so far, we've had a scene from Casablanca, a scene from Breakfast at Tiffany's and a scene from Romeo and Juliet. And I haven't thought about next week's yet, but that's one of the things we're doing to hype up the release is to sort of show the more visual side to Praying for Rain. Um, and we're also doing quite a few exciting things. So the pre-order goes live tomorrow, which is absolutely mental. Can't believe it's happened this soon. Um, and there's going to be like a little video on how to pre-order if people are a bit unsure. Because like the problem we've got with iTunes pre-order is that if I put a link in, it takes you to Apple. It doesn't take you to iTunes. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do like a how-to video um, with a little snippet of the song so people can have a rough idea of what it sounds like. Um, and then I've got some acoustic things I'm going to do. I am going to do a competition, which is going to be quite fun. So that should be quite good. But we've got all sorts happening. We've got a bunch of podcast books, including this one, to help promote the release. Um, and just so people can know me a bit better, because I sort of just appeared in March uh, from absolutely nowhere. <laughs> no one seems to know where I've come from. Is it only March? Yeah, I came through in March, because that's when Whiplash came out. Oh, I'd sort of heard about you a lot. So it's sort of earlier than that. Oh, there you go. My reputation precedes me. Don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only heard good things about you, so oh, that's right, then. it must be Happy good. Days for me. So where can people find you online? So at the moment, I have managed to successfully sort most of my social media that it's pretty much all the same thing. So it's Charlotte Young Music on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook, and then Charlotte Y Music at Twitter. So yeah. I'm launching all sorts of fun things, so if people are interested in what they've heard on this podcast, then stay tuned, because I've got a lot of adventures coming. Right, I will leave you to enjoy the rest of your evening. No, it's all right. Thank you so much for having me on. I've had a great time. Also, a big thanks to everyone who listens to our podcasts each week. Thank you so much for joining us for that, and we uh, hope you'll continue to listen to our podcasts. Hope you can join us next week for another episode of the Unsigned Chat podcast. But until then, have a great week. Bye.